In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Let me start by reading chapter 1 from the first letter of uh, St. John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Do not love the world or the things which are in the world. I like to welcome all of you to the annual Her First Love Retreat and welcome you also to St. Mary and St. Damiana Convent. And I pray that you have a spiritual time here and a spiritual retreat and your goals from this retreat will be met through the grace of God. The theme of this convention is about fellowship. And I like to emphasize in the beginning that when we speak about Christian fellowship, it's different than the secular fellowship or the secular community. As we read in 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, that which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. So if somebody does not believe in the Holy Trinity, does not believe in the divinity of the Son, then he cannot have fellowship with us. I'm speaking about the Christian fellowship. And then in verse 6, he said, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light and he, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin, which means we are human being. And sometimes, or very often actually, we fall in sin and we need purification to be walking in the light. And this purification comes from the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the blood of Lord Jesus Christ 
cleanse us from all sin, then we have fellowship with one another. So when we speak about Christian fellowship, we are speaking about, you know, people who are believers. They believe in the Holy Trinity. They believe in the divinity of the Son. They believe in the sacraments of the church. They believe in communion and the blood of Jesus Christ uh, can actually cleanse us from all sins. We believe in confession, as we read in verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Christian fellowship is different from the secular fellowship. Why is fellowship important in God's art? God, from the very, very beginning, never intended for His people to be separate. Actually, in the very beginning, He said it is not good for Adam to be alone. And God actually created our souls, relational soul. What do I mean by relational soul? Relational grows in relationship. Our soul grows in relationship. So, the theme of family or togetherness of fellowship is one of the very important themes in the New Testament. And before baptism, we are individual. Individual means non-dividable. That's individual. And divide, individual. After baptism, we become just member in a body, in the body of Christ. We become just members. So before baptism, I individual. After baptism, I join the body of Christ. So I become body, just member in the body of Christ. And this actualizes every day when we take communion. So, why fellowship is important to God? Number one, because fellowship gives us the same picture of God. Fellowship reflects the triune God. God is not just a single being. God is Trinity. And fellowship actually is considered existence. If there is no fellowship, there is no existence. That's why if we say God exists, then there has to be fellowship between the three hypostases of God. Why fellowship is existence? Because we need actually to express and to share our love with one another. And if God is not triune God, then this love cannot be shared. Love should be shared with another being. And if God only is two hypostases, then maybe I am, I am very close to a certain person. But this is not the agape love, which does not differentiate. That's why God is triune God. So this love can be shared between the three hypostases of the Holy Trinity. It's not only just by two or between two. It is the Arabi love that's unlimited, limitless, unconditional. So when we say God exists, then there has to be more than one hypostasis. That's why God created us in his image and in his likeness. Since God created us in his image and in his likeness, then we grow through fellowship with one another. 
In Romans chapter 12, verse 4 to 6, St. Paul says, For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, so are members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So St. Paul is saying, we are just members in the same body. We received gifts, we received graces from God. These graces actually, we reflected to the world. We as community of believers, we can reflect the graces of God. One single person cannot reflect or show all God's graces to the world. Let me just give you an example. Of course, there is big difference, but just to, to tell you what I mean, one person cannot reflect all the graces of God. Think of a cake. You need actually the flour, sugar, egg, oil, all these ingredients to make a cake. Egg, for example, will never be flour. And none of these ingredients actually can make the cake alone. But together, all these ingredients together make actually the cake. In the same way, we have different gifts. When all of us together in fellowship work together and complete one another, we will reflect to the world the grace of God and the attributes of God. So, fellowship is important to God because we are created in His image and His triune God. And also fellowship reflect the graces of God to the whole world. That's why the Lord said, I am the light of the world. And He said, you are the light of the world. Not as individual. When He said, you are the light of the world, not as individual, but as a community, as fellowship. All of us, we will reflect the light of God to the world. Also, fellowship makes us strong. Fellowship makes us strong. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, from verse 9 to 12, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So, no matter where we are in our faith, fellowship provides us with strength. Being around one another gives us chance to learn and grow in our faith. And actually, also give me this message that I am not alone in this world, but there are people that face the same challenges that I am facing. And together, when we pray to, for one another, as the church was praying for Peter, 
when he was in prison and God rescued him. So when we pray with one another, when we support one another, this will make me stronger. Even in the secular world, they speak about the importance of having a support system. Those who are addicts, they found the best way for them to overcome addiction is through support groups. Even the Lord promised us many promises. Like in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20, in order to encourage the fellowship, God told us, again I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them but my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, in my name, I am there in the midst of them. When actually we assemble together, we say Emmanuel, our God, is now in our midst with the glory of his Father and the Holy Spirit. And when we say this, we are not just superstitious, but we believe the existence of the Holy Trinity when we assemble together. Emmanuel, our God, is now in our midst with the glory of his Father and the Holy Spirit. So, fellowship makes us strong. That's why it is important the communal prayer and the family prayer is very, very important. And unfortunately, many people focus only on the individual prayer but they neglect the family prayer. And when we come together in the church to worship together, this is very important. In the Divine Liturgy, Abuna says, and he made us unto himself an assembled people. Assembled people. This assembly, this fellowship, actually actualize the existence of God in our midst. Also, fellowship, provides encouragement. We all have our bad moments. Sometimes when it is a loss of loved one, illness, any this crisis of life. In this low time, we need actually the support of people around us. When we gather together and we support one another, this actually can help us to overcome this difficult moment in our life. That's why in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, St. Paul says, and let us consider one another, in other translations, and let us motivate one another, let us support one another, in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some. St. Paul was rebuking these people who actually uh, neglect the assembly to, to come together, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Also fellowship reminds us that we need one another. We need one another. That's what we call interdependence. Some people preach independence, others they live in codependence. These are two extremes. But through fellowship, we will actually live what we call the interdependence. 
I need you and you need me. I have no existence without you and you have no existence without me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 21, St. Paul says, And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So as the different organs in, in the body need one another and rely on one another and depend on one another, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. In the same way, we don't say to one another, I don't need you. We need one another. That's why fellowship is very important. And finally, fellowship helps us to grow. When we meet together, then we will grow together. When St. Peter said, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone and you are living stones. When they used actually to build with bricks, they don't build one actually wall and then the other wall and the third wall. Actually, the brick go all around. So the building grows together. In the same way, Christians, when we grow, we grow together through our fellowship. Through this interdependence, we support one another and then we grow together, like the members of the body. You, you, you can see how our organs actually grow in proportion to each other. You don't have one arm grows and the other arm doesn't grow. In the same way, in fellowship, we grow with one another. What about the non-believers? Can we have true fellowship with them? Definitely not. As I said in the beginning, in order to have the Christian, the true fellowship, the kinonia, when we say, I'm Baba Khomeini's father of the kinonia. When we speak about the kinonia, the true fellowship, the Christian fellowship should actually be among believers who believe in the Holy Trinity, who believe in the divinity of the Son, who believe in the sacramental life of the Church. Without these principles and foundations and doctrines, we cannot say we have true fellowship. Actually, the Bible warned us from mingling with non-godly people. For example, in Proverbs 12, 26, the righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. So if I get very, very close to ungodly person, actually I can be led astray. In Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. And we are speaking here about the heavenly wisdom, wisdom that comes from above, not earthly wisdom. So the Bible here encourages us to walk with wise people, people who actually have the heavenly wisdom. Anyone who does not have heavenly wisdom, he is fool. As we read in 1 Corinthians, as St. Paul said, God made the wisdom of the world fool. 
Also, there are many verses, like Proverbs 22-24. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways. When you are very close to an angry person, you will be angry like him. And that's why angry parents usually have angry children. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your own soul. In this way, I am setting a snare for my soul. In the New Testament, like in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it is very, very clear. Yes, this verse is about marriage, but also we can apply it in general. When he said, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Lawlessness, people who does not follow the law of God. That's lawlessness. People who do not follow the law of God. And what communion has darkness with light? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer with an unbeliever? Another verse that company corrupts good moral, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But here's a question. What's our responsibility toward those who are outside, the non-believers? Should I avoid them completely? Now understand, I cannot have fellowship in the deep meaning of Christian fellowship, simply because they are not members in the body of Christ. Fellowship means all of us are members in the same body. In our life, we live with non-believers and they are around us. And we have actually to be light to the world and to be salt to the earth. We have actually to treat them with love and with kindness. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, 24-26, he said, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, gentle to all, believers and non-believers, able to teach patient, in humility correcting those who are in opposition. So if somebody is different from me, it's opportunity for evangelism, it's opportunity to correct the wrong teaching, the wrong understanding to lead them to the true knowledge of Christ. But while I'm doing this correction, I'm doing it in humility, not with the spirit, I am better than you, in humility correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so they may know the truth, it's my responsibility actually to tell them the truth and it's up to them at the end whether to accept it or not, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. So, St. Paul is speaking about the non-believers, they are taken captive by the devil, and they are lost their senses. They actually, they are in the snare of the devil. So, we should not quarrel with them, but we should show them love and be gentle. Also the ability to teach and to be patient and to correct with humbleness, with humility. And the goal that may God 
will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him. Unfortunately, some of us, when we get very close to the non-believers, there is a tendency to water down the truth of the scripture in order not to offend them. Yes, there are difficult truths in the word of God. Like, for example, the truth about the judgment day and the lake of fire. But when we minimize or ignore these doctrines and try to water down the truth, actually, in essence, we are calling God a liar. Then the truth that he revealed to us, we are not saying it's not true. So we are calling God a liar for the sake of those who were taken captive by the devil. In the memories of Abuna Raphael of Amina about Pope Krellus VI, when he served with him as his disciple, he said that the head of the Protestant Church in Egypt, every time he visited Pope Krellus VI, Pope Krellus used to tell him, when you are coming back to your church, when are you coming back to your church? So he's speaking not just to a regular Protestant person, but to the head of the Protestant church in Egypt. And after he departed, Pope Krulus said to Abuna Rafael of Amina Wataha, Allo, Yabnihna Amanna So Pope Krulus said, You know, I, I did my part. I reminded him every time to return back to his church. So Pope Kyrillus did not water down the doctrine, the truth about salvation, but he was very clear, even with the head of the Protestant in Egypt. So we have responsibility to deal with the non-believers in gentleness, to show them love, to know that we are the light of the world and we are the salt of the earth, to, to serve them, knowing that we have a very, very strong weapon, which is the weapon of prayer. And we should pray for them all the time, that the Lord may restore them back to the truth of his knowledge and to be delivered from the snare of the devil. What about the believers who are different from us? And here I'm not speaking about different in doctrine. But I'm speaking, all of us, we are very, very different from each other in personality, in political beliefs, in, in, in many, many things. And to live peacefully in a community, you need to have two important attributes, love and humbleness. Without true love and without true humbleness, actually, we cannot live together in peace and we cannot actualize the true fellowship and the church chose for us this passage from Ephesians chapter 4 to read it every morning to tell us I beseech you Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 1 I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called we are called to be in fellowship how with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, 
bearing with one another in love. Sometimes when I see my brother different than me, or acting different than me, or his weakness, I forget this. I forget the long suffering. Long long suffering means what? To suffer for a long time. That long suffering means. This meaning disappeared. We don't want to suffer even for one moment. If some, my brother or my sister bothered me, I get angry and I won't separate myself from them. There is no long suffering. Although the church reminds us every morning, we need to walk with all, all lowliness, gentleness, long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unit of the spirit and bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. So we are very, very different. And we tend to blow these agreements out of proportion. We need actually to start thinking about what we have in common. And I will tell you about one thing, actually, all of us who have it in common, while all sinners. Sin is a part of our nature. And nobody is without sin, even if his life on earth, but a single day. But another thing we have in common is that we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Trinity. We believe that he is our savior. And he died on the cross to save us from our sins. So we need actually to, in spite of this diversity, we need to be humble, be loving, be patient, long-suffering, endurance, in order to live in peace together, to actualize the true fellowship. Diversity or differences can strengthen us if we don't view it as a problem, but we view it as a reality that helps us to pray more for one another, or to complement one another, or to make our heart bigger to include everyone. So with these differences, we can grow. With this difference, we can grow. If all of us are just carbon copies from each other, actually, there is many, many challenges to our growth. How can you learn forgiveness if there is nobody around you bother you or hurt you? How can you learn patience and long-suffering if everybody around you treats you very well? And here I'd like to share with you something. uh, You may consider it funny. But uh, I was speaking with Abuna Gerges, our priest in Tallahassee, Florida. When I was asking him why people are so attached to pets here in in, in America, sometimes in in a way we may see it abnormal or weird. And Abuna Gerges had a wonderful explanation, which actually I agree with. He told me to live in true fellowship. Like in, in, in marriage, yani two people are living together, making decisions, choices every day together. It's a very challenging and needs a lot of love, divine love, and a lot of humbleness in order to live peacefully. 
But with the absence of love and absence of humbleness, that's why people now get pet because the pet will not disagree with you. And when you play with your pet, actually, and you get your, you are emotionally satisfied with what you perceive as love you are receiving from this pet. So actually, in a way, you have this relationship with no disagreement, with no differences. You are in control at the end. But with a human being, if you are not in control, then you will fight. I'm speaking about controlling people. But God wants us to be in fellowship, not with pets, but with one another and with Him. So if some of us are so, so attached to pets, you need to think about it. Why? Can you make a true relationship with human being? Can you have in a true fellowship with human being or not? Just a thought to think about. The last point I like to cover, how can we try to create fellowship with others who are not typically in our immediate circle or we have differences with them? First point, look for signs of grace. Don't look for sins and weaknesses. Remember that this time is not time of judgment. It's not. It's a time of salvation. The Son of Man did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. So, if you are going to focus on their negatives, their weaknesses, their sins, you cannot make fellowship with them. But if you focus on their strengths and the grace of God in them, this actually will help you to easily connect with these people. Second point, you need actually to revisit and to reread and to restudy the verses in the scripture that has the word one another, one another. In the New Testament, there are more than 50 verses that has the word one another, but with different instruction, like love one another, forgive one another, serve one another. So accept one another. If you count these verses, there are different, more than 50 different instruction. We have this responsibility toward one another. So write down these verses, pray about them, study them, apply them in your life. And the third point, try to be the first to start the fellowship with the other. Be initiator. Don't wait until the other person come and initiate. Go and initiate this relationship with these people. Be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemaker, for they are the children of God. And if there is a tension between you and him, or you and her, go and talk to this person. When there was enmity between we and God, God came to us to reconcile us to himself. In Matthew 18, the Lord said, if your brother sins against you, go to him. Go, leave your oblation on the altar or your offering on the altar and go. First be reconciled with your brother. So when actually you start the 
reconciliation or the fellowship. You are truly the son and the daughter of God who actually started the reconciliation with us and reconciled us with himself and actually made us enter into this fellowship with him. As St. John said, our fellowship with the Father and his Son. In your church, in your local church, of course with the permission of your abuna, you may start like a fellowship group, to Bible study together, or group to, to study together family issues, parenting or marriage issues. And in order to start this fellowship group, you need actually to start with a nucleus at least of two persons, two committed persons. And why I'm saying two, again, to encourage one another. As the Lord sent the disciples two by two, he did not send them alone. Although the Lord said, the harvest is plenty and the laborers are few, for example, if instead of sending 72 into 36 places, if he sent them individuals, he will send the 72 into 72 places. But the Lord sent them two by two, because fellowship is very, very important to support one another. Then, once you start this meeting, stay consistent. It is important that you set a time and place where this group will be meeting. And then stick to this. Fellowship groups have greatest success when they meet consistently each week on the same day, same time, same place. When we meet every other week, people get confused about which week you meet. That's why to be successful, be consistent. Every week, same day, same time, same place. Also, you need to stay committed. Even if no one show up, don't give up. And you and the other person can be committed. Do your Bible study, do your prayer, do whatever yeah, program you have for this fellowship meeting. And, and gradually, with this commitment and consistency, this meeting will be successful and will grow. And also for this fellowship meeting to be successful, you need to have the grace of God. That's why pray, pray about the success of this ministry, of this meeting. Uh, without the grace of God, any activity we do cannot be successful. So pray every day about it. Pray for those whom you invited to attend to this meeting. Pray that God actually uh, remove all the obstacles for the success of this meeting. Then talk to the people, again with the permission of Abuna, see which group you are targeting and invite them to this meeting. But don't talk to the people with the agenda in your mind to get them to your meeting, to your fellowship meeting. Sometimes we want my meeting to be successful. That's a wrong goal. But you need to have this in your mind. This time we meet together because you need them in order all of us together can grow into the likeness of Christ. 
and I'm just a tool in the hand of God. I'm not inviting them to my meeting, to my fellowship, the meeting that I am in charge of, the meeting that I am the coordinator of it. No. Actually, all of us, including myself, who are here in this fellowship, this togetherness, to grow together and to receive the grace of God so we can reflect this grace, we can reflect this light to the world. Also, you need to have clear goals. What is the purpose of this meeting? When you ask the Buna to start a fellowship meeting, what is the purpose? And the ultimate goal of any meeting should be glorifying God, glorifying God and enjoying the saving grace of Christ. So this meeting should be a place to learn and grow in the Lord. This meeting should promote spiritual growth in everyone attending this meeting. Unfortunately, many times this meeting turned quickly into a club instead of a fellowship meeting. A club can be fun, but not profitable uh, spiritually. So it's not just a time to socially gather together and have fun together. No, the purpose of this meeting, the goal of this meeting is to grow in the Lord, promote spiritual growth and to enjoy the grace of God. So in this lecture, we covered how we should have fellowship with others who are around us, the believers, and also how we should deal with uh, the non-believers around us. In the second lecture today, we'll speak more about the Christian fellowship and we will see how the actualization of this Christian fellowship is in the liturgy. And what is the role of the liturgy in preserving and promoting our fellowship with one another? Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.